Hey there, this is Mike and you're listening to Feeling Twisty. I'm really glad you're here. You might have heard this story before, but for the sake of my new listeners, I want to bring it up again. Uh, back in 2010, after being in an anhydrous ammonia release, I was diagnosed with brain damage and a crippling movement disorder called generalized dystonia. I've never mentioned where the incident was, but you're welcome to look it up online. Just go to OSHA.gov and type in Millard Refrigeration in the search box. I was working in the Patriot environmental yard. That's where I was. So anyway, if you're just curious, but it's there. I ended up needing crutches to get around short distances like in my house, but a wheelchair for anywhere else. Now this went on for seven years. One day, I flipped backward in my wheelchair and cracked my tailbone. I had taken off those uh, anti-tip guards that they have on the back of the wheelchairs because I thought, uh, those are for wimps. I'll never flip backwards. <laughs> well, I did. While stuck in bed, I came across Neville on YouTube. And after a few weeks of listening to him and reading his books, I would just, uh, I couldn't go anywhere. I was stuck in bed. And so I would just download, I uh, downloaded all of his books on my Kindle and would listen to his lectures and read his books from the comfort of my bed. And I did that for a few weeks. And I decided it was time to apply this law of assumption to my body. That wasn't the first time I moved in imagination, though. I had been practicing this art of imagining daily while stuck in bed. But I want to focus on that moment when I was healed. I was lying in bed, thinking about a conversation I'd had with Kim and my daughter, Izzy, talking about all the places we wanted to go, even moving up to the north to the mountains. But that conversation, like so many others, ended on a sad note because none of those places are very uh, handicap friendly. And while I was lying in bed, I was thinking about what we talked about. And I'd had a moment where I'd just gotten fed up with it. One of those, that's enough moments. And a voice within me, uh, my own voice, it was me, my own being talking to me, said, how are you going to do any of that in a wheelchair? And I replied, you're right. Then the other said, I guess it's time for dystonia to go. And then I replied, matter of factly, okay. And while lying there, I imagined a little scene of me standing upright next to Kim in our kitchen and seeing her smiling face as she said, this is amazing. Now, the little scene had no power. It was my faith in my imaginal act, in my assumption. After I did that, I opened my eyes and I was still on my bed and still had to scoot over to the side to get into the wheelchair. Nothing on the outside indicated anything was happening. But six days after that assumption, I stood up to grab my crutches to get to my wheelchair, but I walked right past the crutches and the wheelchair, and I haven't looked back. 
perfectly healthy, all of those symptoms gone since that night. Now, after something like that, <laughs> you would think that everything else would be so easy for me, right? Well, you'd be wrong. One reason is I, I was still holding on to a long list of must-haves, things that I thought were set in stone and that I just had to work with, work around. Sure, I could heal myself, but I can't have financial freedom without a stellar credit score. And what about my retirement plan? I must have a healthy investment portfolio to someday reach my goal of financial freedom. And all of that takes time and work and a lot of tightening up the money belt. Even though I had just successfully assumed the state of health and was healthy within six days, I overlooked how simple it really is and held on to those must-haves. We were in a very tight place financially when I was healed. Very tight. We were so far behind on our mortgage, months and months behind. And I turned to my imagination to remedy the situation. I imagined an end based on another must-have. I assumed that this type of thing, this financial mortgage problem, only works those certain ways that we know they all do. You hope for some type of loss mitigation with the mortgage company or refinancing with them. And so that's what I was imagining. I imagined hearing from the representative from the mortgage company telling me that I'd been approved for refinancing. And that's exactly what happened. The day I got the call, that representative said exactly what I had imagined him saying. I got exactly what I imagined. But it could have dropped my little must-have and gone beyond concerning myself with approval from the mortgage company to just the feeling of being home, being home at Christmas, any little scene out past beyond getting the news about the refinancing. I could have imagined a scene implying that my wish has already been fulfilled, that it's already true, and I'm looking back on it as a fond memory. And who knows, if I'd done it that way, the whole mortgage issue uh, might have been resolved in an even more wonderful way than how it did. I'll give you an example from last week. You might have heard me talk about the two hurricanes that hit my city this year, about six weeks apart. Our house had so much water in it, the whole thing has to be gutted down to the studs. And Kim, the kids, and I started tearing out sheetrock on our own to free up some of the insurance money for other things we want to do in the house, in the remodel. We had a mitigation company come in, and they said it would cost over $70,000 to gut and dry the house. And even though it would be the insurance company paying it, we just thought that was crazy. <laughs> that, that was a crazy amount. Another assumption on our part, but still, that's what we were uh, that's what we were thinking at the time. Like, wow, really? That much? <laughs> we realized, however, that trying to gut the entire house on our own, it's a good-sized house, about 3,400 square feet, 
was something we no longer wanted to do. It was not fun. <laughs> Trying to tear out wet or dry seedlings and walls, uh, well, I, it's just not fun at all. <laughs> but last week, I got in there again, ripping out sheetrock in one of the bedrooms. About two hours into it, and as I'm covered in wet sheetrock particles, insulation, and uh, who knows what else, I'd had that moment again, that this is enough moment. I knew what Kim and I had decided, but that day I had it in my mind that I needed to get back in there and do more work myself. And in that moment, I thought to myself, what the hell are you doing, feeling twisty? You know what to do. I laughed at myself. I'd been thinking about what I didn't want, which was I didn't want to pay such an amount to the mitigation company instead of going to the end of what I wanted in that moment. My true end was having the house gutted down to the studs and cleaned in a wonderful and easy way. I dropped the idea that I must be the one to do the work and and the idea that I must pay the mitigation company $70,000. I let all of that go by moving to the actual end. I didn't bring up a scene. I just decided right then that it was done. I set down my pry bar and hammer and went downstairs to just chill out for a few minutes. About five minutes later, Kim calls me. Back in August, right after the first hurricane, Kim had put our name down with a disaster relief organization to get our roof covered in tarps. We hadn't heard from them, and we've since had our roof tarped twice. Kim explained to the woman, uh, she thanked her for calling her, but told her we don't need her help, that we have our roof tarped now. And then the woman told Kim, oh honey, we do so much more than that. We gut houses and kill any mold we find, too. <laughs> so, the team from this organization will be at our house within a few days to gut the entire house, including the tile floors, for free. And that is certainly a wonderful and easy way, isn't it? Exactly as I had imagined it. Exactly as I had imagined the end the feeling of the end of my true desire after dropping those must-have ideas. Here's another very, very basic example. This was the day before the story I just told you. I was in our bedroom closet trying to remove the shelf, but the screws in the brackets have been painted over so many times over the years. I was having a bugger of a time getting them loose. I have a particular screwdriver that is my go-to screwdriver. I really like it. It's a fancy one. <laughs> and I had looked for that screwdriver and the bit set that comes with it, but I couldn't find it. So I was using a different and in my eyes inferior screwdriver to try to get these screws out of the wall. As I continued to try and loosen any of those screws, I kept thinking that, man, this would all be easier with that fancy screwdriver. Oh, if I only had that screwdriver, things would be much better. 
So I set off to look again for the screwdriver and that box of bits. I couldn't find it. I looked upstairs and downstairs. And then I stopped, had a little chuckle, and asked myself, what do you really want, Mike? Well, I want the shelves down. So that's where I went. Standing in my bedroom, I moved into the feeling of the shelf being down quickly and easily. <sighs> I felt the satisfaction of it. And then I left the room. I went downstairs to take a break and get a drink of water. And just about that time, Kim walked in and I had a thought just to ask her if she's seen it. And sure enough, she says, yeah, they're in the hallway right outside our bedroom. <laughs> and when you know it, that's where I found it. And when I went back up, I hadn't seen it the times I had searched for it. It turns out though, that that fancy screwdriver was useless, but the little ratchet set inside the box of bits was perfect. And I had the shelf down in no time. You see, I was so fixed on the idea that I must have that particular screwdriver to reach my end. I was focused on one, one of an infinite number of means to an end rather than the end itself. When I really move into the end, the state of my wish fulfilled and relax my grip on those must-haves, things move so quickly for me. Like money. Just having a lot of money in the bank won't make me a wealthy person. It doesn't mean I'll maintain that status. My concept, my self-concept is where I go. I've had really nice large sums of money in the bank at different points in my life, but the money always dried up so quickly because I never moved from that poverty state. I wasn't occupying a state of wealth or financial freedom. I'd see that big number in the bank and immediately start worrying about what happens when that money runs out. Sure, it worked this time, but where's it going to come from next? And it never took very long for me to find out what I was going to do after the money ran out because it disappeared quickly. I've mentioned this before. There came a point where I was completely done with the madness that I was making it all into. I was frustrated with my uh, win-loss ratio <laughs> when it comes to imagining. I had many more losses. I won't get into all the details of that day, that pivotal day for me. I talk about it in detail in a previous episode, and I would tell you which episode that was, but I really have done so many, I don't remember which one that is. But anyway, that day involved a lot of cursing and crying and blubbering. I just let it all out. I hadn't realized, I didn't realize I'd built up so much frustration. I was just pissed. Not at anyone out there. I was just angry and done. And I felt like I was going to snap mentally. I was screaming at myself, make a decision, Mike. Either completely sell out to living by imagination or give it all up and go back to the way things used to be. 
I would no longer allow myself to be lukewarm about this. I had to be all in or completely out, screw it all from that day forward. I hope you can tell which way I went on the matter. (laughs) That same day, I started looking at those times when I successfully, intentionally imagined a state and expressed it in my world. And I looked at what I did in imagination. Did I create a scene? How did I feel? Did I get bumped out of the state at all? How long did it take? And I started with the healing and went forward from there. And sometimes looking back, I saw that I did use scenes. Other times I didn't. The times I noticed I wasn't in the state of my wish fulfilled, I got back into it. If I had reacted to something or I uh, heard something or saw something and reacted to it, I revised the scene and heard or saw what implies that I'm still in my uh, state, my preferred state, the state of that wish fulfilled. The times I failed usually included some little must-have that I was holding on to. And every time, every time I failed, it was because I didn't remain in the state of my wish fulfilled, or I never actually occupied it at all. That state never became natural to me. When I assumed I was healed, I didn't have any must-haves at that point, nothing to hold on to there. I didn't think about imagining some new miracle worker doctor to come by or some new drug on the market or surgery. I'd already been through all of that. No doctors from Houston, New Orleans, and Baton Rouge could help me except to medicate me. And I'd given up on the medicine and doctors for that matter um, about 10 months before this day. And I wasn't a candidate for deep brain stimulation. So I had nothing to hold on to no means to the end to try to hold on to or think that I needed to include in what I was imagining. All I had was to, was to hold on to was my imagination, my imaginal act, the faith in my imaginal act. And as Neville says, faith is loyalty to unseen reality. It's there. I just don't see it yet. And I'm going to remain loyal to what I've seen in imagination, what I felt in imagination. When it came to money, geez, I held on to so much, so many things that I thought were set in stone, but I was focusing on the means again and not the end, not my real desire. I would focus on every little bill, imagine a scene for each, for the electricity bill, for the water bill, for the cable bill. I was... I was exhausted imagining all these little bills paid every week. Then I'd imagine something for my credit score, on and on. None of that is wrong or bad, but I could have made it so much simpler and faster, which I did, by going to my true end of financial freedom. Now, we, we all define every state. I define every state I occupy when I'm imagining my wish fulfilled. I construct the state. And so do you. When I constructed my financially free state, 
I decided what those words mean. What does that state mean to me? So when I, I use financial freedom, those words a lot. And when you hear them, they might, and they will mean something different, vastly different or a little different to you. So your state means what it means to you. Don't worry about what a state means to anybody else. Then it, once I found that feeling, defined what that state feels like, what I would feel like in that state, then it was easy finding that feeling and imagination and moving into it. Anytime I found my inner talk was going somewhere else, I would know what to do. And I still do that. When I notice what I'm thinking and feeling, my inner dialogue is going down a path that is a sure sign that I'm not in the state of my wish fulfilled. I get back into that feeling, back into the state of my wish fulfilled. One simple way for me to get back into the state, let's keep the financial freedom example. I ask myself this question, and this really happened one day a year or two ago. I would, had gotten a text from Kim that she was on her way home, and I immediately started this whole argument in my head. Oh, she's going to freak out when she sees what I bought, all the groceries I bought. She's going to ask me how much money we have in the bank. Oh my God, this is going to be an awful night. And I stopped where I was, and I asked myself, if I were financially free, would I be reacting this way, feeling this feeling, thinking these thoughts? Well, no, the answer is no. It's as simple as noticing that and moving back into the state, my preferred state. I don't have to redo a scene or, or you know, light candles or write any affirmations. As soon as I notice it, and anytime I notice it, it's as simple as a breath. Just, ah. <sighs> And I'm back into my state, my preferred state. That morning, lying on the bed, when I assumed I was healthy, I completely abandoned myself, my former state, to the state of my wish fulfilled. I was still in a wheelchair. I still couldn't write with my dominant hand. I was still incontinent. But I refused to go back into my former state. I didn't hold on to anything on the outside of me, any of the doctor's uh, prognoses for my health, none of it. I completely abandoned that old state by occupying the new state, the state of me being healed, healthy, fit. I told you on that day, my, my come to Jesus day, <laughs> that I took a look back at what and how I'd been imagining. I had a wonderful resource of wins and losses to learn from because I played in imagination daily. I didn't just hold on to one wish and think about its fulfillment to the detriment of all my other desires. I practiced the art of imagining daily for anything and everything from plumbing problems to traffic and even delicious dinners, all kinds of desires pop up for me daily. And I continued going to the end of each one. Like I said, there were a lot more losses or failures, if you want to call them that, in the beginning. But I didn't stop. I kept going. 
I frequently talk to people about their one big desire. When I ask them, what else are they imagining for their other desires, they sometimes tell me I don't have any other desires, just that one. They might really believe that, but there's no way to have no desires or only one desire. So when they tell me that, sometimes I'll re-ask the question differently. I'll ask them, what are you assuming about you, yourself, and your life? We can't stop assuming. We're assuming our life into experience all the time. So that's why practicing the art of imagining or the law of assumption, whichever one you want to call it, it's the same thing, daily became so important to me. The only way I can get to really understand the power within me, the power that is me, is by getting to know that power, my true self. And like any relationship, you build rapport, you interact, you get to know one another. And so that's the way I saw it for me. I have to get to know who I really am. And what better way than to interact with myself daily? And make it fun. And I don't just mean for desires. Playing in imagination for the sake of imagination. To loosen up my tight grip on this must-have that is my body. The more you do, the easier this gets. And you can't help but remember who you really are. I have no doubt you will remember who you are regardless, but why not get comfortable with assuming the best for yourself and your family right now? I love you. This is Feeling Twisty.